Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to Tripping Up the comedy travel podcast that celebrates when travel doesn't go exactly as you planned. I'm your host, Nina Clapperton, author of the blog ninaoutandabout.ca. This week, my exciting guests and I talk about responsible travel, Indian lunchboxes, and what can go wrong when you don't read the rental car contract in Jordan. I'm very excited to introduce you guys to one of my favorite Canadian bloggers, Erin Hines. Erin writes the travel blog Pina Travels, where she shares destination guides, tips, and guides on how to travel responsibly. She's also the host of Alpaca My Bags, a responsible travel podcast. And if that amazing podcast name isn't enough to get you into her, I'm sure you will be head over heels for Erin the way that I am after this incredible episode. Let's dive right in and find out why you need to read your car contract. Now boarding. Hi, Erin. Welcome to Tripping Up. Hey, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. I'm so excited to get you on and to share some of your travel stories with all of our audience. So I'd love to first introduce you to our audience with uh, how you travel and why you travel. Okay, so how I travel. Um, so I have a blog and a podcast, and both of them are pretty centered around learning responsible tourism practices. So I do put a ton of effort into being a responsible traveler. Um, so I'd say that's a bit about how I travel. I'd say in general, I'm also a really relaxed traveler. I don't like to overplan. I like to really go with the flow and just travel slowly. So when we travel, my partner and I factor in a lot of downtime um, so that we can just do whatever we're feeling in the moment. Um, and why we travel, we're just obsessed with it. We love it. It just makes us so happy and we learn so much. It just, yeah, it's one of the things that makes us happiest in life. So we do a lot of it. <laughs> and so for our listeners who don't know what you mean by responsible travel, would you mind elaborating a little bit? 
Yeah, I'd say responsible travel is just about figuring out how you can travel in a way that is um, the least impactful in negative ways on the communities and the environments that you visit. Um, so it can include like sustainable practices. A lot of people like really embrace eco travel as part of their responsible tourism practices. Um, but I also like to factor in um, finding ways to treat like the actual communities of people that you're interacting with with responsibility. So that can mean things like um, trying to avoid cultural appropriation and similar things like that. That's so interesting because I think a lot of people do forget when you say responsible travel, they think of like sustainability. They don't think of the cultural side of things. Totally. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, I'm sure that in your travels, you've also picked up a weird souvenir or two. Yeah, of course. Um, like, okay, I wouldn't say I've actually collected anything super weird, um, but I do like to bring home things that are really local to the place that I'm visiting. Um, I don't know if this is unique or not. I'm sure other people do it too. But for example, while in Jordan, my partner and I went to a grocery store and we bought like 10 cans of Jordanian coffee because like the entire trip, we're just drinking this coffee on the street and fell in love with it. Um, so we thought like, okay, we'll bring some home. Um, so we had like 10 cans of it. And then we bought in a little shop, a uh, Dala, which is a traditional Arabic coffee pot um, so that we could actually make the coffee that we had bought. And for a solid year following that trip, uh, we were able to treat ourselves to cardamom infused coffee that reminded us of our time in Jordan. So that was a really nice souvenir, I thought. Um, and we've done this in other places too. Like for example, when we were in India, we bought tiffin boxes, which are these traditional Indian lunch boxes, essentially. They're made of aluminum and they're sort of like stacked containers that clasp together so you can like keep a different part of your meal in every container. And everyone in India carries one of these around um, because they have like the convenient handle on the top. And we didn't really see them sold in like tourist shops. So we just like poked around in random shops on the streets until uh, we found some Tiffins and bought a few and brought them home and we love using them. So yeah, we like to buy practical things that, um, you know, like will be useful in our day-to-day -day lives at home. See, I love that because I think people forget to call those souvenirs sometimes. So I think it's unique in that, yeah, it's not always labeled a souvenir the same way. Cause I mean, first of all, the Tiffins are like one of my favorite things. I've never been to India, but on Netflix, there's um, a movie called the lunchbox and it's all about kind of the cultural practice of like women making the lunches for their husbands. And it's this interesting love story between like it, the woman's um, lunchbox gets mixed up and sent to another man. And like her husband never appreciates her food, but this guy does. And it's so highly recommend, highly, highly recommend. Yeah. I am totally going to watch that. So they talk about Tiffin's in it. So basically the whole, so it's, I wouldn't say that they like specifically, like they never really use the name of it, but it's, all centered around the Tiffin and like how it's like, it's basically this huge part of her life and her relationship and kind of her self-esteem too. And how it like changes a single man's life when he gets this Tiffin filled with like beautiful food rather than like, I guess, single men sometimes like pay for a service to send it to them instead. And then it's like, not so it's like, it's like the Panda Express versus the authentic. So it's yeah, like, yeah. 
Yeah. And so he suddenly gets this like beautiful meal and he like sends notes back about like how much he loved it, where her actual husband was very unappreciative and was kind of like not into it. And it was just like, honestly, like I'm getting chills just thinking about it because it's one of my favorite movies and like so underappreciated. It's this beautiful Bollywood movie. I'm so glad you told me about this. I'm going to watch this immediately. I'm writing it down right now. (laughs) Well, and I think like stuff like that, or even like you were saying with the coffee, I did the same thing with Moroccan mint tea because you want it to last longer after the trip as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like, it's kind of sad because when you run out of that thing that you've brought home, like you're like, Oh, this is the last little bit of it. But I find like when I buy the sort of classic souvenirs, I'm, I love them for a little while and then eventually they kind of just end up like in the back of a closet and, and I don't really like enjoy them anymore. Whereas when I bring home something like coffee or like a lunchbox or a tea, it's something that like I actively enjoy and I don't like lose interest in the same way. And I think it is that nice kind of like almost the ending of it is kind of bittersweet because it is like you want to keep using it. Like I had this weird thing as a kid where I don't know, I haven't met many people who do the same thing, but I like didn't want to use things because I was worried about like running out of them. But then I had to realize like you want to use it because otherwise like, yeah, it just this beautiful like cardamom coffee, which um, honestly, I don't drink coffee anymore, but I'm going to have to start when I go to Jordan. That sounds (laughs) so good. (laughs) You have to at least try it. It's really amazing. And I will say this when we did run out like a year later, I reached out to my Jordanian friend in Toronto and I was like, I have to find this coffee. And she, of course, knew where to get it. So it wasn't the same brand, like it wasn't like direct from Jordan, but she was like, oh, I can still hook you up. You can get cardamom coffee here. So it's kind of nice because it was sort of a segue for me to like find a nice little shop that sold Jordanian food. So that was cool. Yeah. And I think it is like we have such like a global world now where you can get those things at home, but it is kind of like. So, so that's really nice. Cause then it's not like, it's like a complete cut off cold Turkey, mm-hmm. but it, yeah, it's still not quite the same. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sure with all of your travels, you've had some trip ups along the way. So I'd love it if you could share some of those stories with us. Absolutely. So I've had many, there's so many that I could tell you about. I'm going to focus on one, but I will tease like two other major trip ups in my travel lifetime. Um, One was when I was like super young and it was one of the first trips I ever took. I think I was 19 and I was trained traveling around Europe and I was trying to get to Valencia in Spain and I was currently in Italy being 19 years old. I thought like, Oh, it must be easy. Like you just get a train from Italy all the way to Spain. No problem. Um, so in theory, I thought that would be doable, but clearly it wasn't because they just gave me a train ticket to Valencia in Sicily, which is part of Italy. And so (laughs) I went literally the opposite direction that I was hoping to go and ended up in Sicily, which is an island like right at the bottom of the boot in Italy. So I was just like completely wrong direction. (laughs) And it took hours before I realized because I knew that if I was going to Spain, it was going to be a long train trip. It would be like 10 plus hours. Um, So I was on this train forever before I realized that I was actually going the wrong way. And this was like at a time when I didn't even have a phone. So I didn't have Wi-Fi. I had to literally ask people on the train, where am I? Because I couldn't figure it out. I didn't have Wi-Fi at my disposal. So that was one of my earliest trip ups, I'd say. And then um, another trip up I've had is uh, being too friendly with street animals um, in Guatemala. 
I'm obsessed with cats. I have two cats myself. So I just like, can't not say hi to cats when I see them in the street. And I did this in Guatemala many times and it always turned out okay until it didn't. Um, this one cat, I picked it up, which I know now I shouldn't have done, but it like clamped down on my arm and bit me and honestly the bite itself wasn't that bad like I wasn't concerned about the actual bite um but it was sort of toward the end of our trip and so when we flew back to Canada um I just started to like get in my head like the idea of rabies and was like Mm. "Mm, I think I should call Health Canada so I'll never forget like calling Health Canada from my desk job in downtown Toronto and explaining what happened and Health Canada says you have to go to a clinic immediately and they give me an address and they tell me to go I I leave work I'm like I have to go apparently this is serious Um, and I get to this clinic and they tell me that they have to give me five rabies booster shots in one sitting it was horrific they gave me I can't, I'm trying to remember where they all went Two in my arms, two in like my thighs, kind of like near my bum. And then one was somewhere else. It must've been in my arm, but like all five in the one sitting, it, it was brutal. So that was my lesson in um, being careful around street animals. <laughs> I'm going to be honest though. Like I see, I'm a dog person, so it wouldn't be cats for me, but I've definitely like nearly been at that point with some dogs in Turkey. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. I remember in Turkey being afraid of dogs sometimes because like they're street dogs, like they have their life out there. Like they're not the same as your, your classic house pet. And I actually have heard of people getting bitten by dogs, um, in Mm -hmm. Central America and needing to get the rabies booster. And the thing is, once you like read about rabies, you don't want to risk it at all because it is like super scary. And apparently your your like likelihood of survival is so low. And so once you realize that you're like, I can't mess around with this. And I think that's See, why Health Canada was like, get to the clinic right now. Like I'm a hypochondriac and I I always make the mistake of doing this. I listen to a podcast about rabies, which like why why on earth would I do that and then yeah like they talk about kind of all like the symptoms in animals and people and then yeah how it deteriorates your brain and I was like oh god like I've had two concussions and my brain's like messed up enough I don't need anything else I'm gonna stop petting street dogs for a little while at least yeah was it this podcast will kill you by chance so that one, I skipped it on theirs because initially I listened to it on stuff you should know, but that podcast will kill you. Yeah. They had one and I like, I started it and then went, we can't go down this road again. We have to stop. (laughs) I I love that podcast, but I had to stop listening to it in the pandemic because I was like, this is going to make me spiral too much. I'm already thinking about health too much. So this one's on hold (laughs) for now. (laughs) Totally fair. (laughs) It's a great show though. Um, Sorry, I interrupted you before you even got to your main story. (laughs) No worries. Yeah. So this is my main one because it's the most recent. And this one also takes place in Jordan, which I've already referenced. And I'm referencing a lot because it's actually one of the last trips I took before the pandemic. Um, So it's like one of the most fresh in my mind. Um, And yeah, so my partner and I went there and rented a car because we wanted to self-drive around Jordan, um, which is actually an amazing way to see the country because you can kind of go at your own pace. Um, Buses there 
are pretty good, but like you have to follow their schedule and we wanted to be able to like control our own. So yeah, we rented a car and for the most part, like the trip was seamless, no problems. Driving was pretty easy. It's all desert highway. So it's just like straight highway. You can see like all around you. It's honestly like an amazing place to drive. Um, and so we had spent a couple days in Aqaba, which is a city sort of in the southern part of Jordan. It's a port city. And from there, we wanted to go to the Dead Sea, of course, because you want to go like float in the Dead Sea. Um, so that drive we were going to do in the morning, it's about 240 kilometers, which is about three hours to drive. Um, so we got up early, like got on the road and my partner always drives and I navigate and he speeds, but like, he's a very good speeder. Like you wouldn't realize that he's speeding because he's just so controlled about it. And he'll just kind of like push the limit a little bit. He'll never like speed to like a degree that's like really, uh, obnoxious. Um, so he was doing that and the road was like completely straight. There's no one around. We were like, oh, it's fine to speed a bit here. Um, so we're driving, 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 making amazing time. We'd been driving probably around two hours when we looked at each other and literally congratulated each other on the time we were making and like getting to the Dead Sea. We were so excited and happy about it when suddenly the car just stops and my partner turns to me and says, the car turned off. And I was like, what? No, it's, we're still moving. And he's like, no, we're not. And the car slows down and we just like pull over to the side of the road. And I was still in disbelief. I was like, Lucas, like, just turn it back on, like, just restart it. Like we'll back on the road. And he was trying and it would not restart. And so we just got out of the car and stood on the side, side of the highway in the middle of the desert um, with no clue what to do. And uh, there was a village nearby of uh, mostly like young kids that ran over and started trying to help us. And they called like some of the adults over. And so soon there were probably like 20 people all around the car, all trying to look at it, trying to figure out what was wrong. People were like opening the trunk, opening the hood, couldn't figure it out. And like we couldn't communicate with them because we don't speak Arabic. Um, and so it got to the point where I was standing on the side of the road, like flagging down trucks like any vehicle that would come by and we were there for a solid two hours and literally like pulled over probably 10 different vehicles everyone who looked at the car just could not figure out what was wrong with it and then eventually I don't know why it took me so long to realize this but I had like a little bit of a phone plan of um Jordanian minutes so I was like eventually oh I should call the car company and now in retrospect, I realized like that's probably the first thing I should have done. But for some reason, like it just didn't cross my mind, um, which is silly because I literally bought those phone minutes for that kind of situation. I was like, oh, if anything happens with the car, then I can make a call. And so finally, I call the car company. And the first thing they ask me is, oh, were you speeding? And immediately I say no. I was like, <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. The car just stopped. And the guy says, okay, give me a couple minutes. I'll call you back and hangs up on me and calls us back a couple minutes later. And he says, we have on record that you were speeding. And so that's why your car shut off. And 
this was just so surprising to us because I did not think that rental cars had this technology to like be tracking how fast you're going and shut you down if you speed. But I think what it is, is in Jordan, um, speeding law is super strict. So they, um, they don't want tourists doing that. And it's kind of for a good reason, because like you're driving on the highway and you feel really safe, but a lot of animals will cross the highway and sometimes people like camels. And so there is potential to like hurt someone or hurt an animal. So I guess there is good reason for being strict about speeding, but we just didn't think they'd have the ability to like shut off the car. Usually you just like get a ticket in the mail. You think that they'd warn you though, like ahead of time, because like that way you don't end up sitting on the highway for two hours. That's what I thought. And they were like, oh, it's in the contract. It's in the rental contract. (laughs) (laughs) So honestly, one of my biggest takeaways from this is, oh, you should read your car rental contract which we (laughs) did not do. (laughs) I mean, like I work as a paralegal, so like I should be the one that's like touting, like, yeah, read the contract, but who has the time? Like they're so long and they're so like, and that's the thing is like, you kind of read it the first time you ever sign up for one or whatever, but after, at a certain point, like, I don't know, I rented my first car last year. And since then I've rented about three or four doing things. I've stopped reading them because I'm like, well, it's the same. It must yeah. be. <laughs> and and that's what you figure. But like, I guess like that was the main lesson for us. It's like driving isn't the same in every country. And we should have known that because we've also driven in Dubai and they also have like super strict driving laws. We just didn't connect the dots and we just never thought about it. We just figured like, oh, there's no cameras around empty highway. Like they won't know. Yeah. But yeah, I'm definitely going to like start at least skimming the contracts just to be (laughs) sure. Or just like, or actively asking, like, is there anything I can do that will turn this car off? I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. 
Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Well, and like, it, it does, it's a really good moral of like, check the driving laws. Cause even like, we're both from Canada. We are from Ontario that has one set of driving laws. I'm now living right on the border to Quebec and you go over there and suddenly like you, it's illegal to turn uh, right on reds and, and things like that, where it's just like, you just don't think about that. Cause you're like, oh yeah, it's like the whole country should be the same or whatever. Or I like, yeah, I've driven in New Zealand, so it'll be the same driving in England. It's like, it never is. It's always those like little things that'll get you. Yeah. Just like tiny little tweaks that are different. Yeah. And actually like, now that I think about it, when we rented a car in Dubai, they did give us a sort of rundown. They sort of gave us a pep talk about like what we could do and couldn't do. I remember them telling us like, do not speed at all because there's cameras everywhere. And they said Mm -hmm. like, if you speed even by like one kilometer over, you will get a ticket. And so they did give us fair warning, but um, yeah, I think in Jordan, like we should have just done our due diligence and maybe Googled a little bit (laughs) before we left the car lot. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm just like, yeah, I'm still so surprised though, that it would just like, I don't even know how you would make it shut off remotely from that far away. Like it's, oh my God. I don't understand it. And the car itself wasn't It was a totally fine car, but it wasn't like a super modern car. It was definitely like Mm -hmm. 10 to 20 years old. So we were also surprised because the car just didn't seem like it would have that technology in it. I don't know anything about cars, but that was just my sense. But yeah, they like just, they literally just pushed a button somewhere and turned it off. Wow. And um, it was funny because like, it felt like they were trying to punish us a little bit because when they told us, they were like, yeah, you were speeding. We turned your car off and we said, okay, so what happens now? And they said, oh, you just have to wait. And they gave us no time frame, So we just sat in the car waiting and every once in a while, Lucas would try to turn it on and it wouldn't turn on. And I think they made us wait like 30 or 45 minutes more. And then suddenly it just turned on. They didn't call us, didn't tell us anything. Like we just had to keep trying until it turned on. So I think they just they just thought, oh, let's punish them a little bit for this, teach them a lesson, yeah. which worked because we definitely did not <laughs> speed after that. I just, I don't know. I think coming from Canada as well, where like we know how dangerous it is to drive around, like there's a Canadian shield, there's so many highways, there's ice, there's like errant moose that wander onto the highway every <laughs> once in a while, like yeah. just, just shutting off the car with no warning and then leaving people like stranded for hours just seems so like 
Oh my God. I mean, I'm really glad I know this now because I do plan to go to Jordan in the next couple of years and rent a car. And oh my God, I like, I have a, I'm, I think Lucas and I are very similar. We're like, we're from Toronto. You can get like that easy speeding in like, that. Yeah. it's like, it's so calm and collected, but definitely not something you should be doing. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like, I don't know if it's like this in other countries, but in Canada, there's like just the entire population knows you can go 10 over the limit. Mm. That's just like something everyone knows. It's like a Canadian thing, I guess. Maybe it's the same in other countries, but yeah, you can't do that in Jordan. Yeah. Like I've always heard that like 10 to like, you can even push it to 20 sometimes in certain areas. Like when I lived in Halifax, I mean, their highways are already 110, which is amazing. And <gasps> really? every, yeah. And everyone just like speeds anyway. Cause there's nothing there except for the last three days of the month when the um, provincial police are out trying to meet quotas and Do then you parts, go the right yeah. speed <laughs> um, and it's like it's like a thing out there like especially in PEI in PEI you know the last week of the month you don't do anything wrong because they need to do something for the police and like they will get you <laughs> That is so funny. That reminds me of like when I lived in Montreal, it was the same with, um, what's it called? Like crossing the road when you're not supposed to. Jaywalking, um, yeah. Jaywalking. It's like technically illegal in Montreal, but obviously everyone does it. And then every once in a while, someone would ping like the university Facebook group and say, oh, the, the police are out today, like getting the jaywalkers. And then you go to school and see, oh, everyone's like not jaywalking and being like super legal about their pedestrian <laughs> practices because the police are out. They would just go on a blitz on like ticket everyone who jaywalked that particular day. <laughs> <laughs> I love it though. Like that. I mean, my tripping up story is very similar. So it's about following rules and like, um, it kind of relates both to your main story and kind of your first story as well. Cause I, so I went to Turkey a number of years ago and it was like, I was doing, um, eight months in Europe. And then I just kind of dipped out of Europe and went to Morocco and over to Turkey. Um, and you have to get a visa to go to Turkey. And it's the first time I've ever had to get a visa going anywhere other than like when I studied abroad. And even then half my study abroads were in the UK. And as a Canadian, I didn't need to get anything. So mm. I'd show up. So yeah. I was quite nervous. I've never had to deal with visas before. Um, Turkey, to be honest, is the easiest country for a North American person to get a visa. It's one of those ones where you like go online, you click five buttons, and then you're good. And then you pay, you pay some money and then you're good. Um, so I like, I had done it all. And at this point too, it was like early on in my year abroad. So I was like, I'd kind of just gotten past that super over planning stage where it's like every hour and like every day was meticulously planned. And I had started to get a little bit more loosey goosey. So I was like, cool. Okay. Like I'll, I think I'll get to Turkey around this time. And so I booked a ticket and I was like, it's going to be this time. Yeah. You know where this is going. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I had it ready. And then, um, I was in Morocco with my mom and I'd planned to go, um, up to the blue city of chef, 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 I don't know. I can't, I've only ever read it. It's like, it's on Instagram uh, a lot. And I was yeah. at that point in travel too, where I, I was it. like Instagram <laughs> and I wanted to go hike the Atlas mountains, um, until I found out you should never do that alone as a woman. So I was no. like, cool, I'm not going to do that. Um, and I loved Morocco. Morocco has like a special place in my heart. Um, this story does not paint it or me or Turkey well. So let's just keep that in mind. It's lovely, except for this one spot. So I ended up ending my trip in Morocco early and went to Casablanca, which is, I kid you not, the worst place on earth. It is the only place in this world I have ever felt 
truly unsafe at every moment. The only time that I have just like not enjoyed myself. Mm. So I was like ready to get out of there as soon as possible. So I planned to stay about like four days to just like get through it. Um, I wanted to go see like the blue Hassan mosque. I wanted to do a little bit of stuff, but it's one of those cities that like, there's like, okay, the three hot spots and everything else is ruins. Like it looks like a disaster movie has happened and like half of buildings are like not put together, but like not because they're doing construction on them. They just mm. gave up. Yeah. So while I was there, um, I'd been really good in Morocco. You're not supposed to eat, uh, fret, like raw produce that has just been washed. Um, and I'd been so, so good, but I was staying in a best Western. And at one point, something I got for dinner, like a tagine or something came with a side salad and without thinking I took a bite. (gasps) Oh yeah. Yeah. So I got a parasite, unfortunately. Um, that was, it was a very minor one. Thank God, like could pass it on its own, just took a while. Um, but it meant that I was the sickest I've ever been in my life. So I'm in this best Western. I'm not okay. Um, and I have to get on a flight to Turkey. So I end up, I stayed in an airport hotel the night before to be a bit closer because my flight was really early. Um, and I woke up at about like two in the morning and just like, I don't think I've ever vomited that hard in my life. Like I was just like, could not like, couldn't breathe. It was so bad. Um, so I like scrambled together. I'm getting, I have to get on this plane. I have to go. I have like a tour booked in Turkey a week later. So I wanted to spend some time in Istanbul and like had this whole thing planned. So I get to the airport and Casablanca airport is Moroccan airports are questionable to begin with. Cause like they're fine amongst their standards. They're super safe among Western standards, you're like, what is this? (laughs) So there's like, there's the gates to check in. There's almost no signage of where to go. There's like, once you check in, you're just like kind of put through individual security and then put in a glass room and told to wait. So I'm like waiting to check in and I have my luggage and I'm not well. And they have like one person working this huge flight that I'm on. So it's going super slow and I'm stuck in this line. And this is like the saddest moment for me that like, I just, I felt like a sick puppy. Cause I just like, I was staying oh. there trying so hard not to be sick. And then at one point I just like, I had to be sick and like, I couldn't get out of the line. So I just kind of crouched down in the corner and just like had to throw up on the floor. And it was so awful and no one even noticed, like no one even was like, are you okay? So, yeah. So eventually I managed to get on this plane, the poor man beside me. Oh my God. I just like, I had stopped, like I was, there was nothing in me anymore. So I just like sitting there sad, holding a puke bag in case, but he was like leaning as far away from me as possible. He was like in the aisle. He was like, I am not, no. Um, And the flight passes, thankfully uneventfully. So I get to Turkey and I'm like, Hey, hell is over. I'm here. It's done. And then I go to customs and they're like, your visa's wrong. Your Your visa's for tomorrow. It's not for today. (laughs) And I, and when I booked it, I'd booked it even a few days ahead of when I would get there to avoid this. But then in the hassle of changing everything with Casablanca and not going to Chef Shawin and not going Mm. to the Atlas Mountains, everything had fallen apart. So I was just Mm. standing there like, I'm dying. Like I am not, I have, I'm not okay. And you're telling me I can't enter your country and just go to my hotel and sleep. So I was like, well, what, like, what do I do? Like, I just got it online. So I was like, can I just like, what? And he's like, okay, what, what there is, is that like, 
basically back past customs. Um, there's by like the money exchange area, there are these little kiosks, kind of like in a movie theater where you buy a ticket, like an ATM sort of thing. He's like, go to one of them. There's four. And you can just buy one there on the spot, which is like ridiculous. But then there's even the option to buy them online because if you could just get them there, then like why, like there should be yeah. or something. So yeah. I was like, cool. I mean, I have to pay like $75 again, I, at this point I would pay 200 to just like go somewhere and be alone. Yeah. yeah. So, but I go over and then Turkey has taught me, um, since being there, the technology is unreliable in Turkey. So none of them are working, not a one. <laughs> and the people, there's like a little desk and they're like, yeah, but we can only accept cash. And there's me and two other people and none of us have cash yet because we've just arrived and we can't even exchange money because that's after customs. So like, <gasps> there's nothing we can do. So we're standing there for like half an hour, like these two guys and me just kind of like, I, I, I swear I must've been green. I was not like, I was not standing up. Well, they kind of kept looking at me like, Oh God, what's happening there. And the people at the desk like kept saying like, just keep trying the machines. I'm like maybe they'll work eventually. So finally we were like, Hey, could you just like, just reset them? Like do press some button on them that we can't press. And thank God they did suddenly, like, I don't know what they did, but magically it was working. And the guys were like, you go first. Like you're not okay. (laughs) And, and yeah, it took me two minutes to resolve this issue. But by that point I'd been there for about two, three hours of like the whole process kept having like duck to the bathroom, like was just drinking like Gatorade, trying not to die. And then, yeah. So thankfully got the visa. It turns out like getting a visa, isn't that big of a deal unless you're dying and everything is against you. So yeah. yeah, The moral of the story is like, check your ticket before you like book everything. (sighs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I could have called and moved it. I'm sure beforehand or like bought another one ahead of time, but just, yeah. One of those trips where like everything was against me (sighs) in that moment. (laughs) It's like the chain of events, right? Like one Mm -hmm. bad thing happens and then it just like continues happening. I've been in that position. It is the worst. Also just got to say, like, I've also been to Morocco and had a similar experience there where it was like both an awful trip, but also an amazing. Mm -hmm. And we've actually done a whole episode on my podcast about traveling Morocco as a woman, about how like frustrating it can be because yeah, it's just like a different culture and it's really hard to adjust to it. Um, so yeah, I also have conflicting feelings about it. Cause like I had such incredible experiences there, but they were all kind of tainted by like the bad ones as well. So at the end of my trip, I was like very ready to leave as well. Yeah. <laughs> and I definitely contemplated leaving early, like several times on my trip there. I think that's the thing. And like, it is, I think it's very, it's also very addictive of like where you are in Morocco. Cause I found like Marrakesh is where I felt best, but actually in Marrakesh, I felt best on my own. Once my mother joined me, I found it a lot more challenging because I think then they see two women and like, mm. then that's more of a target, I guess. Cause like on my own, I just put in headphones and I could walk around like pretty yeah. much fine um, yeah. in my baggy or clothes. But then you go to like Fez and then Fez is a little bit more old school and then Casablanca. So I had, this is like, Usually I think people go and they go to like Rabat first and then Fez and then Marrakesh. So it gets increasingly better. Mm. And then for me, it was just getting worse (laughs) the whole time. And like, and that's the thing is I would go back to, to Morocco. I'd go back to Turkey. Turkey was fabulous. Had no problems in Turkey other than the fact that I spent about seven days 
sick out of my mind. And the hotel yeah. was so nice. They kept like, they come up and bring me like, um, like rice cooked in chicken broth and like, just like made, made me all these things to feel better. They were super sweet. Um, and like even sent me, they found me an American hospital to go to and everything and like had a driver for me. It was super nice. Um, especially cause it was not a fancy hotel. Like it was, I think it was my one splurge on a hotel in my trip and, um, well worth it. Like sometimes mm. you just need a hotel, not a hostel, not like Especially when you're sick, you just need like your own bathroom. Yes. Oh my God. Honestly, like that's, I think that's just kind of the thing that is such a luxury we forget about when we're not traveling. But when you're traveling, you're like, I just want to be able to like not wait for a shower or like, yeah, if I'm sick, like be able to just fall asleep on the bathroom floor. (laughs) Like you can't do that (laughs) other places. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I have been sick in hostels before and it really sucks. Because you're, it's not only like you don't have the privacy, but it's like, oh, like everyone around me can hear me and my yeah. sickness and you just feel bad. <laughs> well, and then like if you're sick too in any contagious way, then you know they're all hating you because they're worried they're going to get sick. And you're just yeah. like, I already feel bad. Like just, I, I'm sorry you get stuck in this room with me, but like it, it happened. <laughs> yeah. Your visa story also made me laugh because like I've done something like so similar, except it was flew into the wrong airport. I was flying into the Netherlands and like small country, all the airports are like kind of close to each other anyways. So it wasn't the biggest deal, but I was literally on the plane when I realized, oh, I'm going to the wrong city because I just (laughs) booked it being like, oh, Holland, like, and I'd been there before. Like, I I just thought I like knew what I was doing and just straight up booked the wrong airport. (laughs) Well, there was that really famous story a number of years ago in Canada, which is still one of my favorite travel fails ever. And I like, I adore this story. It was a guy who booked a trip to Sydney and he was super excited. It was like super cheap. And he was like, yeah, I'm going to go to Australia. This is great. And then he ended up in Cape Breton and like, I don't know if you've been to Cape Breton. It's not Australia. <laughs> it's like even, even in the heat of summer, like I went on the Cabot trail and you're like in a parka some days in the middle of August. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you showed up in like shorts ready for like shrimps on the Barbie. And he got like Cape Breton. <laughs> it's like, Oh God. <laughs> I just want to know like when it clicked in for him, when he realized like, cause it's a pretty short flight compared yeah. to what you in Australia. <laughs> Also, like, was it a direct flight? Like, you can't get a direct flight to Australia from Canada. Maybe you can now, but like previously, you definitely could not. No, I mean, and maybe from BC, if you were like, like maybe maybe from, yeah, but definitely, I don't remember where he was from. And actually, he might have been American, but like, which I'm, I kind of hope to like for the sanctity of Canadian intelligence, but like, (laughs) it was just like, it was all over the news for like a week. And it's just, it's never left my mind because I'm like, you could, you could turn that into an amazing trip and an amazing story. But in that moment, you're just like, Oh no. Yeah. (laughs) This has been amazing. I've loved hearing your tripping up stories, mine, some random guys who got stuck in Sydney. Um, But now we always like to end every episode reminding our listeners why they put up with all of these trip ups. So if you could share a travel (laughs) triumph to help restore our faith in travel. (laughs) Yeah, I'd say my travel triumph is just that travel has helped me to learn and grow. Um, All these trip ups that I've had traveling over the years have really helped me um, to overcome like lack of confidence in one day. 
like I was always shy growing up and traveling really helped me to get used to being out of my element. It really encouraged me to be comfortable talking to strangers and to make decisions for myself in stressful moments, which like happens basically every trip. Um, so I think like a travel triumph is definitely that it's, it's helped me boost my confidence um, as I've gotten older. And also just over the years, it's really helped me to understand world issues and social issues and privilege, like all from a more global perspective um, that I definitely didn't have access to, like when I was growing up and had never left my own country. You just sort of assume the whole world is like, like what you've experienced and traveling is a really wonderful way to learn that no, like there's a lot of diversity in the world and it's beautiful. And so, yeah, I really appreciate travel for that. Which is so beautiful. And I think the perfect place to end this episode on. So thank you so much, Erin, for joining me on this episode of Tripping Up. Thank you for having me. It's been fun. Attention passengers, we've now reached our destination. We hope you enjoyed the flight and have a nice day. What an incredible episode. I love the message that we ended on. I think Aaron is so on the money that the beauty of diversity and the cultural experience you get when you travel are kind of key to the whole thing. If you'd like to read more about Aaron and her adventures, you can find her at pinatravels.org. That's Pina, P-I-N-A. On her website, Erin focuses on traveling responsibly, how to avoid over-tourism, and explaining travel privilege. You'll also find some amazing travel guides on locations around the world, including Jordan, which we talked about in this episode. If you prefer to listen, you can also find Erin at Alpaca My Bags, the Responsible Tourism Podcast. In fact, their season four has just launched, so you can be among the first to hear their new episodes. Go find her wherever you subscribe to podcasts. As always, thank you for joining me on Tripping Up. If you'd like to read more about me, you can find me at ninaoutandabout.ca. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Until next time, cheers. Cheers.